Give her an extra big hand for her. I don't know how you I don't know how you knew I was going to be here today, but thank you for singing that for me because that'd be my that'd be my favorite song of all the songs you could sing today. That that would be my favorite song. Good to be back in prior this morning. We've been down to Delacroix and we got behind about fifteen cars coming this way and old people, old people, old people. I said, I thought, you know, if I, get a, if I get a ticket, I know a highway patrol, and I'll get that baby tore up and done away with. I know three or four highway patrols. You got your copy of God's Word this morning? Open it to the book of Acts and stand with me. Acts 3, stand this morning in honor and reverence of God's Word. Acts, the third chapter. I had a couple of good services at Tahlequah, and, and I'm so thankful I could be back here this morning. Acts, the third chapter. And here's what I want you to do. Just what I asked those folks down there to do. I want you to think about, I want you to get a picture this morning in your mind of this beautiful gate that we're going to read about. I want you to get a picture of that in your mind. And then I want you to get a picture of this crippled, bigger, probably dirty, probably stinky. I want you to get a picture of him sitting or laying there at that gate. I want you to get a picture of the contrast that that would be. Okay? Mark X, the third chapter, in honor and reverence of God's Word, without error this morning, I pray that it speaks to you today. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Very important, that ninth hour. I'm going to bring that out a little bit, so, so just pay attention, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, that he might ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John, he saw them about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. And he fixed his eyes on him, Peter with John, and Peter said, Hey, look at us. I had them extra words in there, King James Version Bible, but it's also Sunday's edition, okay? Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up immediately. Not tomorrow, not this afternoon, not a week from now, a month from now, but immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, then they knew that it was He who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, this is Your Word. God, I'm just a messenger that You sent this morning to deliver it. Father, I pray this morning, just fill me, anoint me with Your Spirit, 
God, I pray that Satan would be gotten out of this building. I pray that, God, Your Holy Spirit would fill this place. I pray that, God, we would have Your, You would have our attention for the next 15, 20, 30 minutes. That, God, Your will and Your way would be done in this place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to think about something for just a minute. Is there some place on earth that is very special to you? Is there a place that has great meaning to you? A place where something really special happened there. Maybe the place where you grew up. Maybe a place where you spent a lot of time as a kid. Maybe it's grandma's house. Maybe an aunt's place. Maybe a vacation spot. Maybe a park. Maybe a a lake. Might even be, for some of you, the place where you got engaged. All of us have that place somewhere. A a place full of, of memories. I have a place like that. Every time I drive through Shamrock, Oklahoma, that's a wide spot in the road between Drumright and Bristow. All that is there is a little church called Shamrock Baptist Church. It's a place where I went to at a time in my life that well, I had a storm going on. It's a place that I was attending when Christ convicted me of my sins. I was riding a little 80 in Ford tractor pulling a New Holland rake about 5.30 in the morning raking alfalfa hay. Committed my life to Christ. Saturday morning. Sunday morning, Shamrock Baptist Church was a place I went to and I walked an aisle and I told my pastor, what had happened to me Saturday morning. But not only that, it's it's a place that was my first pastorate. It was a place where your brother Rob preached the first sermon he ever preached. It was a place where my daughter Amanda was born, took her first steps during choir practice. It was a place where my daughter Crystal and and Natalie got saved. It was a place where me and my wife got married. Had a son named Josh and he busted his lip in the nursery and they was in a panic and I said, go in the kitchen, get a little salt and rub on it, he'll be okay. Very special place. A place that Changed my life. 
if you'd have been around that early day church when it began, there would have been a man, if you would have asked him, is there a place that's special to you? I think he would have grinned from ear to ear and he would have said, Oh yeah, there, there's, there's a place that is very special to me. It, it, it's a gate at, at the temple in Jerusalem. It's known as the beautiful gate. And, and I want to tell you what a beautiful gate that was to me. This morning, we're going to look in the next few moments We're going to see just why this gate would be so special to a man with no name. Well known by the people in the community, but he was known. You know what he was known for? He was known, Brother David, because he lived a life of tragedy. Many memories this man would have had at this gate called Beautiful. Many days this guy had laid at this gate. He would have seen a lot of people. But this day, he would have had the best memory of that gate. Look in your Bible, verse 1 again. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. This guy, he lived a life of tragedy. He was broken. He was physically crippled. He's humiliated. He's poor. He's hopeless. And to make matters worse, he'd been that way his whole life. You learn over in Acts 4.11, for the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Every day, somebody has to carry this guy to the gate and place him there. All day long, he lay there begging for the mercy of others that passed him by. Now you gotta understand, the Jewish faith, it had three basic foundations. It had the Torah, it had worship, and showing kindness. And since all three of these activities were part of the religious community, this beggar, man, you, you talk about the perfect spot. I mean, you talk about the perfect spot. As people went to worship, religious people, they got to pass him by. And you'd think since they're headed to church or to the temple to worship and praise God, maybe they'd feel a little more compassion on him being there. Lived his whole life. Never had any use of his legs. Lived his life in tragedy. Think about it. As a little boy, he'd lay there, sit there. He'd watch all the other little boys playing in the neighborhood. 
Watch all the other kids just running and playing. But that's all he could do was just watch them. Grown man, he ain't never going to work. Never going to earn his way through life. He ain't never going to marry. He's never going to know the joy of walking his daughter down an aisle. All he could expect out of his tragic life was to be placed day after day after day somewhere to beg a meager existence just to survive. There's two men on this particular day at this particular spot. And those two men are going to worship. And those two men are going to change his life forever. I told you, pay attention when we read that. Three o'clock in the afternoon. Luke gives us that little nugget of information. Why would he do that? He done it because it's important to Luke and it's meaningful to this story. You know why? It's because three o'clock in the afternoon was the exact time when at Calvary the mysterious midday, midnight darkness had lifted. It was the moment when the sin bearer had dismissed his spirit, bowed his head, and died. Ninth hour. An hour to remember back to Calvary. A fitting hour for two men who loved Jesus and loved each other, finding themselves to writhing together at a place of prayer. There they meet this man. Luke very descriptively tells us of the tragedy in this man's life. Do you know that this man's physical condition is a picture of the spiritual condition of everybody born into this world? You know that the Bible says we're all spiritual cripples? Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. We've all been born with that sin nature. But through the blood of Christ on the cross and on the compassion He had on us, you and I are no longer sentenced to a life of tragedy. A true story. Victoria Rivola was 45 years old. She was driving to her niece's recital in New York. She 
passed a car that was driven by a 19-year-old boy named Ryan Cushing. The boy with five other teens had just used a stolen credit card to go on a spending spree. One of their purchases was a frozen turkey. And they decided to toss that into oncoming traffic. That on that 20-pound turkey smashed through Ravola's windshield, crushing her face. She survived. Ten hours of surgery to repair her face. Months of painful rehabilitation. October 17, 2005, she attended Ryan's sentencing and she asked his judge for leniency. And part of her statement read, Despite all the fear and the pain, I've learned from this horrific experience that I have much to be thankful for. Every day when I wake up, I thank God simply because I'm alive. I sincerely hope, Ryan, you've learned from this awful experience. Here's what she said. There's no vengeance in my life. I do not believe a long, hard Extended term in society would do society, in the penitentiary would do society, me or you, any good. Ryan cried, expressed remorse. Instead of 25 years, the judge gave him six months. This man who was laid at that gate called Beautiful would have been sentenced to a life of tragedy if Peter and John had not intervened. But instead of tragedy, this man's life was changed because of trust. Acts 3, 4. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. To understand why Peter said to this beggar, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I have I give to you. You gotta know what this area looked like where this man lay. Josephus, a Jewish historian, tells us his begging post was one of the best spots in the entire city because it was the beautiful gate. This gate was inside the Temple Mount area on the eastern side. It separated the court of the Gentiles from the court of the women. It was so large, this gate was, that it took 20 men to close it. This gate was made out of Corinthian brass covered with gold. Historians tell us that when the sun shone up on it, it was absolutely beautiful and it always glowed in the sunlight. Cost a fortune for the materials and the construction to hang it. What a contrast. What a contrast. This gate represents wealth. It represented privilege. It represented beauty. This crippled man represented poverty, tragedy, a meager existence. And I thought about that when I was putting this together, and I thought, may God be with 
the American church today, if the church ever gets caught up, so caught up in the beauty of its buildings, that we are, are forgetting about those cripples that are laying outside the doors of our churches in the dirt. The old commentator Cornelius tells about how he went with Thomas Aguinas once to a meeting with Pope Innocent II. And he said when he walked in, Pope Aguinas II was counting a lot of money. And when he walked, Thomas walked into the room. The Pope said, you see Thomas, the church can no longer say, silver and gold have I none. And Thomas replied truly, Holy Father, and neither can she now say, Rise up and walk. There this crippled man had laid probably every day for years. There in his worn, dirty clothes, his face eagerly looking up into the face of each passerby, hoping against hope for help, rarely lifting his thoughts much higher than the pity and the charity of those that went by. There he lay at the gate of a dead religion. A religion that boasted of its laws and its traditions, its rituals. And every day it found him a beggar and left him a beggar. So much for religion. This bigger line there. Probably with his back resting on the inside of that beautiful gate. And he looks up to Peter and he looks up to John and he hopes. He hopes against hope that maybe they might give him enough coins that he might buy him a little morsel of food. Lying there, hoping against hope that somebody will come by and share something with him so he don't got to go to bed that night hungry. I think his old heart dropped a little. When he heard Peter say, Silver and gold have I none. Peter's poor, but he's rich, extremely rich towards God. Then came those immortal words. What I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Peter stops walking to the temple. Stops. Looks down at the man. Said, hey, look at us. Peter wanted to direct. Listen to me. He wanted to direct that beggar's thoughts from his rags and his religion to his Redeemer. And I thought about that. Can, 
Can, can we say that today? I mean, does our Christian faith reflect our Redeemer? Can we say to the lost, look at us and we'll show you Christ? Getting some of you's wheelhouse. Can, can, can we say to some of them who, who are searching, hey, hey, look at us and, and we'll show you the way. Are we such a reflection of Christ that to look on us is to look at Him? You know this story? It really amazes me. You got old Peter and John. They going down to church house to pray. They see this lowly beggar laying there in his filth, in his crippleness. They just preached to a crowd and 3,000 people are saved. Now they're going to turn aside for just one man. Not a man that could give him anything. He ain't going to put nothing in the offering plate, I guarantee you that. But he cared enough to reach out to this one man. I thought there's a lesson for us in that. Those who reach the many should also care about reaching the one. May God give us compassionate hearts for meeting the physical and spiritual needs of every individual to see those who might feel lost in the crowd. Look at verse 5. Let's see what happens. So he gave them his attention. He's still expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately, watch that, his feet and ankle bones received strength. This man, he knew he ain't never walked. This man knew I ain't never stood on my own feet. This man knew I ain't never run. But here's this stranger, and this stranger is extending his hand to him, telling him to get up on your feet. You know, he did, he did what everybody in this room this morning has to do. Has to decide. Everybody. When Christ extends His hand of healing for our sinful souls, we got to trust Him. we got to take His hand. But really, on this occasion, the power was the Lord's. The hand was Peter. He had to trust to take the hand of Peter. And for Peter to use the name of Christ to heal this man was showing the character, the authority, and power of Christ Himself. You see, Peter had 
the master's power. Watch this. The Bible says, when this crippled man took Peter's hand, trusted him enough to lift him up, immediately his feet and ankle bones received the strength. You got to remember, Dr. Luke is the writer of this book of Acts. It is a medical doctor writing about this miracle. And writing this, he used medical terms that gave the picture of this man's bones being popped back into place. And I got to wonder, if I was standing there that day, could have I heard those bones being popped back in place? That's just sunny. But then I thought, Jesus puts things back together again. Jesus puts broken lives back together again. Jesus puts broken families back together again. Jesus puts broken marriages back together again. You see, Satan wants to tear things apart. He's a crippler. But Jesus Christ is the healer. And He puts things back together again. And through his trust in Peter's words and his touch by the power of Christ, he is given a mighty testimony. He's a tragic life, trusted in Jesus, and then he had a testimony. Boy, you know what I like about this? It wasn't a gradual cure. It was immediate. Simon Peter reached down, lifted the man to his feet, Feet that had never supported him before, now held him up. A feeling that he'd never known before to stand on his own two feet, he began to he began to walk and he began to leap around. Look at verse 8. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They didn't, they didn't, got, they didn't got to support this man who hadn't never walked for 40 years. They didn't have to wonder, hey, get his crutches in case his legs don't work. They didn't have to do those things. You know why? Because the touch of Jesus is immediate and it's everlasting. This man wasn't going to get to walk around for a few hours and then be crippled again. He wasn't going to get to use his legs for a few months or years then all of a sudden be crippled again. Here's what Jesus said to a woman at a well back in John's Gospel. Whoever drinks of the water that I give shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. This crippled man, he ain't crippled no more. You hear me? You listening? This crippled man ain't crippled no more. And he wants everybody to know it. He wants everybody. 
to know what Jesus done for him. He ain't praising Peter. He ain't praising John. He's praising Jesus. You think those people wasn't a little bit surprised there that day? Huh? To see this man worshiping, praising, never been in there before, couldn't on his own. Even if he'd have went in there, they'd have probably thrown him out on his ear because he's dirty. He's lame. Here he is now. He's went to church. He wants the whole world to see. You know why? Because that miracle had changed his life. Not only physically, but spiritually. When we come to Christ, everybody ought to be able to see a difference in us. When we come to Christ, we ought to have a testimony to tell others. Hey, I ain't what I used to be. I ain't what I want to be yet. But there's been a change in my life. Used to have a taste for alcohol. Was a guest of the state of Oklahoma for a few years. But when I got saved, I didn't go to those old places I used to go. When I got saved, I didn't hang around with those folks I used to hang around with unless it was to tell them about the Jesus who changed me. You know why? Because my Bible tells me, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. This guy no longer laying at the gate in his wretched condition. Everything is changed. When we're saved, we're going to be a walking testimony. Just like this guy. That there's something different in our lives. I'm just about done. You know, I'm as Baptist as Baptists can ever get. I pastor a non-denominational church. I tell people I'm a, I'm, I'm a Baptist masquerading, I guess, as a non-denominational. But I would like to see some of this maybe. You know, just maybe. When this guy got saved... You know, when, when I get to thinking about what Jesus did for me, how I was a poor, crippled, wretched, lost sinner, 
And when I get to thinking how this great physician, Jesus, reached down and lifted me up and put me on my feet. Folks, if my feet don't leap, my heart does. My heart leaps with joy. As I say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Can you say that today? Can you say today, thank you, Lord, for saving me? Brother David comes to lead the invitation hymn. Let me ask you to bow your heads, heads about. Let me just ask you. Has there been a change in your life? Has there been a change in your life? If you be honest this morning, honest with yourself, and then honest with this old gray-haired preacher, and then most of all, honest with a Heavenly Father who knows everything, even knows what you're thinking right now. A Heavenly Father who loved you so much that He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, to come to this earth, die for your sins. Have you ever really, really trusted in Him? Are you a new creature? If you be honest this morning, and you just simply say, Brother Sonny, I am really a spiritual cripple. I've never really been saved. Would you, would you be that honest this morning? I ain't coming to your chair. I ain't going to drag you up an aisle. I just want to pray for you. Some of y'all got lost loved ones and, and there's altars that you can come to this morning. Right now if you want to and pray for lost people. Spiritual cripples. You can do that right now if you want to. You're here this morning. You've never been saved. And I'm not going to carry on with this forever. But would you slip your hand up where I can see you? If you're here this morning, you've never been saved. Your hand held high. I, I need to give my heart and my life to Jesus this morning. Anybody in this building, you'd say that this morning. Be honest. Honest with God. Honest with yourself. Honest with this old preacher. Slip your hand up. Promise you, I'm not going to call your name. I'm not going to come get you. I'm not going to drag you down. Just put your hand in there. Your hand in there. You'd say, Yes, I'm a sinner. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what else the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, for with the heart, man, believe it unto right. A whole lot of people going to miss heaven by 18 inches because they got it in the head. They ain't got it in their heart. With the heart, man, believe it. And the only way you can get there is through the drawing of the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. So if God's Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, won't you get out? Didn't want to raise your hand? Come out. Just get up out of your chair. Come up here and take me by the hand. 
I promise you, I will not embarrass you. You want to come? Come now. Come now.